Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I am continuing to be amazed, inspired, and encouraged by the heart-centered leaders that I'm meeting around the globe. And this morning, I have another fellow coach who is courageously helping others grow by holding space for them. She believes in the power of authentic leadership, compassion, and humility. I want to introduce you to Dana Shuto. She was born and raised in Toronto. She then moved to rural Quebec to pursue her undergrad degree at the age of 30. She has then continued with her education and has gone on to complete three degrees, which we will talk to her about. In 2016, she worked with a group of at-risk youth in rural Quebec, disrupting the standardized classroom model in order to meet their educational and social needs. She worked with the youth group and opened a temporary tattoo parlor in the school called Mystery Inc with the goal of acquiring work skills. Her initiative was to unite teachers and students and the school board, effectively challenging and challenging them to rethink about outdated policies and evolve their curriculum to best serve their students. So Dana, welcome to the show. Hi, Deb. It's such an honor to be here with you today. Thank you. Well, I'm just intrigued. We've had great conversations, and I know that you're a lover of all things education, innovation, public speaking, and I know there's so much for us to talk about, so I'm going to dive right in and, and start with my leadership questions. So are you ready? Absolutely. All righty. Now, I know that you've done many different things over your career as well as pursuing your, your education. I know on your LinkedIn profile, you've got throw kindness around like confetti. So my first leadership question is, is share with us a life experience, and it can be work or personal, that has really led to you becoming a heart-centered leader? That's a big question, Deb. Uh, <laughs> so I have had... Um, my hands in a couple of different professions and it was a challenging journey to get there um, but I would say that throwing kindness around like confetti um, has become my mantra because I've recognized that belonging is at the core of everything. Now I am where I am today against immeasurable odds I would say and I'm very pleased to say that kindness has gotten me to, I can't, <laughs> you got to give me a second here. 
Well, this is one of the things that I love about this podcast is it's imperfect because as thought leaders, sometimes we know what we want to say, but we're just not sure. So there's always power in the pause. So take a moment and, and let us know what you think. Since the age of 12, I've had the experience of moving through a lot of different systems and communities, whether it's social systems, school systems, programs and services in the community. And I've found that I never really belonged to any of them. And <clears throat> in the 80s, um, my family, we did go through um, a housing crisis, not once, but twice. And because my mother didn't have the communities and systems that she felt that she belonged to in place, it was difficult for us to land somewhere that we felt safe and secure. I throw kindness around like confetti because Kindness is the one thing that can lift people out of situations that they have no means to get out of on their own. And just a small act of kindness can have a profound effect and impact on someone's life and can radically change it for them for the better. So I would say that having these experiences, not being able to access the services, programs, communities that were needed has shaped me in a way that I see the value of that kindness. And I try every day to bestow kindness upon other people, even if it's in the smallest gesture, because you really don't know how big of an impact that could have for them. And kindness is really about approaching the conversation with people using your ears. So heart-led leadership, I would argue that it starts with two ears and an openness to say, what is it that this person needs? And is there even the smallest act of kindness that I can impart upon them to get them what it is they need? Well, I love that. And there's two things that I love that you said. I always talk about, regardless of who we are as people, we all want to be seen and loved and valued and heard. And one of the biggest heart-centered leadership traits we can possess as people is that attentive listening. So very, very powerful. And I love, I know you, you are a woman who rises by lifting others. And I know that you quote Dr. Seuss by saying, be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. What a lovely daily philosophy and practice to follow. And I love the alignment and the practical teachings that we learned just from such a simple quote like that. So really, really love that answer and that introspection, Dana. My second question is the one that everybody gets asked on the show. What imperfections have contributed to your leadership? That's a fantastic question. I would say that I'm a very stubborn person. 
<laughs> and I'm just going to throw that right out there um, in the spirit of this podcast. And it is my greatest weakness and it has become my greatest strength because it literally took a tornado in 2018 hitting my house to stop me and to have me sit down and say, okay, Dana, what is your lesson here? What is it that you need to be learning that the universe is throwing your way, that you're such a tour de force, you're so stubborn that you're not getting the message? And why is it that it's taking a tornado hitting your house for you to stop and listen? <laughs> and my lesson was that I was strong enough to handle a tornado hitting my house. And that I needed to sit with that and realize that having that kind of strength, it's not a right, it's a gift. And it's important to wield that in a way that is amplifying the people around you to get them what they need. Now, the tornado only clipped my house. I'm very lucky. And it also had me sit down and recognize the people around me whose house it devastated. And that every person you're going to meet, just like the 2,000-year-old Chinese proverb says, is going through a battle that you know nothing about. And it took Mother Nature exemplifying that for me to stop and say, you have this gift. You're able to amplify for people underrepresented groups, marginalized groups that need your support. You have the understanding firsthand of what it's like to be a part of those groups. Now, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like the Pied Piper and lead them all off a cliff? Or are you going to stop and recognize that you need to lead them towards greatness instead? So my imperfection was overcoming, I would say, the strength that I had to rally to get through all of the different things that have happened in my life. These things that happen are not unique to me, but building this strength, it now had to be used in a certain way, in a more humble way, a more empathetic way, a kinder, more gentle way. So instead of being like a bull in a china shop, it had to be like a gentle breeze. Oh, I love that. I'm sitting here smiling and I'm thinking, what's it? What's in that toolkit? There's resilience, there's grit, there's consequence management, all kinds of learnings that come out of that. As you were talking, it made me think of a quote by Albert Einstein that we strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. And sometimes that imperfection that we bring adds value. So loved how you framed that. And hey, I'm not going to go up against you. You can handle tornadoes. So I know what I'm dealing with here. It's, it is kind of ironic to me. I have to laugh about it now that I had to literally be sitting in the wreckage of part of my home to recognize the, the universe had to send me a message that powerful for me to stop and say, okay, Dana, sit with this for a little bit. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what I love about that is 
I think as leaders and just as people, sometimes we look at the magnitude of what happens when that's when we need to get quiet to see the clarity. And sometimes we can get these small messages repetitively and we see them and we hear them, but we don't want to adopt them to make a change. So like you said, that stubbornness sometimes can be the forefront of our, our behavior. And then I think we all need a little tornado once in a while. I think we do. My next leadership question is when you spearheaded the Mystery Inc. initiative, what was your original goal is part one of my question. And part two is share with us the outcomes that you didn't expect to see that you learned about yourself. So when I first walked into that classroom in 2016, I was teaching in rural Quebec in a community not too far from the Vermont border. There were about a dozen students in the class. Now, they had all been placed in that class because they didn't belong anywhere else. But that was their perception, both the school board and the students. They had this deep feeling that they didn't belong. The students in the class were between the ages of 14 and 21, and they suffered from um, various intellectual, physical, and uh, learning challenges. So after a quick assessment of the class, I realized that I wasn't very welcome there. And doing a little bit of digging, I recognized that this was because they'd had a different supply teacher every day since November. And we were now moving into the end of February. So there was no stability within this classroom in terms of having someone who would grow alongside the students. Some needs assessments revealed that the average reading and writing level of the class was about grade three. And they did have standardized curriculum and I was charged with teaching them math, autonomy, prep for the job market and work skills. Because the students hadn't passed their grade six comprehensive exams, they weren't able to obtain a high school diploma the traditional way. So when I took a look at this curriculum and the needs of the students, um, the, the metaphor, have you ever heard um, the metaphor of uh, trying to teach an elephant to climb a tree? Yes. Yes. That came to mind right away. And I realized that these kids were being set up um, in a situation that made it impossible for them to succeed. And so I looked at them and they looked at me and we threw all the curriculum out the window. And I said, well, here's what we're supposed to do. What are we going to do now? And the goal was to get these students ready for the job market so that they could graduate with a work certificate and become independent in whatever capacity they were able. So for about two months, I had books thrown at my head and kids swearing at me and walking out of the classroom. I had one kid try to throw a desk at me and I just sat there with them and I said, okay, look, these are our goals. What are we going to do? They didn't have any answers for me. So about three weeks in, I walked in one morning, I put my coffee down at the desk, on my desk, and I looked at him and said, did you, did you know that I dropped out of high school in grade nine? And the whole class just stopped and looked at me. 
And I said, yeah, it took me about five years to realize that that wasn't a very good idea. And I had to go back into grade 10 at the age of 19. At which point, the school system didn't know what to do with me because I'd already been working for two years. And I wasn't in a position to grow or succeed with my peers and I wasn't healthy for them. So they said, okay, if you do one year of high school, we're going to give you your diploma. We're going to give you 15 maturity credits and let you get on with your life. I said, okay. I said, so if this isn't working for you, what are we going to do here to get you the skills that you need to get on with your life? And all of a sudden I had the rapt attention of a dozen kids. I said, what do you love? And they said, we love art. And what else do you love? Well, we love tattoos. I said, well, why don't we open a tattoo parlor in the school? And they all just kind of looked at me. And they said, we would love that. I said, great. So we sat down, we planned out the curriculum together. I put together a proposal for our governing board, took it in, had it approved. And the kids got to work. They opened up this tattoo parlor. I would say the unexpected outcome at the end of this This particular area of Quebec, these kids had almost nothing. They wore the same clothes to school every day. Some of their clothes had holes in them. There was a breakfast program. I used to keep snacks in my desk because they would be learning and falling asleep. So I'd just throw them a juice box and a granola bar. They charged $2 a tattoo to the community. And it brought together the French and English sides of the school that were literally divided by a line. So it united this community in Quebec and created a sense of belonging for both French and English alike. It brought together the superintendent of the school board. It brought together the principal, the teachers, and the rest of the students in the school started to see this is where these kids belong and this is where we belong. At the end of it, the students had raised $660 and my initial thoughts were that they would want to reinvest that into their classroom. Instead, they got together and they recognized that there was a group of people who were suffering more than they were at that point. And they donated the $660 to the United Way to help the families of the fires in Fort McMurray. And this moment, realizing that I had unintentionally taught them and they had unintentionally taught me the power of kindness and compassion was riveting and became the basis for my master's thesis. And it's also the foundation of my work now because there is this power in creating belonging and this sense of belonging. And you can't tell people they belong. They have to grow it within their communities that has shaped the way that I interact with people from that point forward. And I realized that the stubbornness that I was experiencing when the tornado hit, it was not showing myself the same kindness and compassion that I was showing others. The unexpected outcome here was that 100% of these kids are now working and they're productive members in their community because they feel like they belong in it. And that is why you are a heart-centered leader and 
so honored that you accepted the invitation to come on the show. The relatability and passion and giving of your own heart and mind and time and sharing your own story you've set these kids up for life for autonomy and avocational skills and you gave them that light at the end of the tunnel it might have been dim at the beginning but when all was said and done what a beautiful story thank you for sharing that you you led nicely into my last question a little bit of serendipity there <laughs> Yes or no, do you feel anyone can be a leader? Absolutely. And I agree with you. And the question that I want to kind of have unfold in our discussion is, I meet a lot of accidental leaders as a coach. They are brilliantly educated. They land up in a team lead, leader, or manager title by description. They can't figure out how to become that influential leader. What are three skills, heart-centered skills, would you recommend for anyone listening to this podcast today of how they may have landed in that accidental leadership role. What would you share with them as a coach to bring them into that leadership realm and have some influence? So I do hear a lot of the same, like empathy, compassion, kindness. These things are absolutely paramount, having strong emotional intelligence skills. But I would say that it starts with the sense of belonging. And that belonging means understanding who you are, presenting yourself as authentically as possible, being in a place where you fully accept yourself and you meet yourself where you are, and then turning around and meeting other people exactly where they are, not putting your expectations on them, not bringing your ego into the conversation, not bringing your agenda into the conversation. It's just, okay, this is where you are. That's fantastic. You know what? This is where I am. And just meeting each other right in the middle and accepting that and saying, you belong here with me and I belong to you. You have a seat at my table in decision making. You have a place in my community. You belong here professionally. And you have a place within the processes and the procedures that are defining policies and defining the way that we work. So belonging authenticity and meeting people right where they are. And that's the starting point really for any conversation. And that's where you can grow into a leader. If you feel that you're missing those skills, start within yourself and really recognize those places that you're most vulnerable and put them right out there. Well, I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to add a couple of things just to piggyback on what you said. I think coming out of the gate, just having a positive attitude is such a simple way to start. 
And like you said, belonging and setting the right example and letting people know that you're continuing your development as a leader, uh, getting to know your team. Just because you have that title and you're leading, we never stop learning. We have to continue evolving. So really great advice there. Now, it's a growth mindset. Absolutely it is. I like to end the podcast with the Fab Four. And I know, <laughs> I know you've listened to a few, so you know the deal. There's no, there's no thinking here. It's whatever's on the top of, of Dana's mind. So first question, if I asked you to describe 2020 in one word, what's that one word? I'm still here. I'm just thinking because there are so many. What's the first one that comes to mind? Transformational. Second question. What brings you joy? Being decidedly optimistic on a daily basis. What do you think defines a champion? Humility and a growth mindset. And my last question, what do you want your legacy to be? I want to grow other leaders. I want people to understand that no matter where they come from and what they do and who they are, that they have a place, they belong, and that they are able to affect and influence and ignite change on a global scale. Well, that one you didn't have to think about. So <laughs> obvi obviously that's the path you were on. Well, I want to thank you for spending time with me on the podcast and, and sharing of your time and expertise and uh, just continue leading and, and looking forward to staying in touch and having more conversations with you. Thanks, Deb. I like to end the podcast with my list of five things that I feel helps us all lead a purposeful life. Follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and always be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thanks for joining me once again on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.